to the first episode on our new podcast, uh, Curiosity Feeds the Cat. The title of our conversation today is called A Question of Morality. And now why A Question of Morality? Um, I've always been um, amused uh, for a long time now that we are often told more times than we actually care to remember that our morality is derived from God or God's. And in particular, the adherents of the Abrahamic God um, always like to tell us that morality or the human sense of morality actually comes from the Abrahamic God, Yahweh. Now, I don't actually believe this, and I'm going to elaborate on why I don't think this is the case. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, is there actually any evidence for these claims that if you don't believe in the Abrahamic God, you will not have a sense of morality. And should these claims um, effectively be taken seriously? Now, if we look at ancient history, we now know that um, the earliest human attempts to furnish moral codes can be traced back all the way to ancient Egypt and um, the uh, Sumerians in what we now know as Mesopotamia. One of the earliest um, law codes that was referenced in antiquity is actually called the Code of Irikagna. Um, it's the first set of moral and legal provisions in human history that actually include prohibitions against slavery and the abuse of the poor by the rich. By contrast, um, the Abrahamic uh, um, religion, if anything, uh, doesn't actually tell you not to keep slaves. It actually... Um, tries to legislate um, what you do with slaves. What I find particularly interesting is that if you look at the Christian Bible, the Christian God um, actually tells you how to treat your slaves dependent on where these slaves are from. So there are particular passages in the Bible, which I'm going to allude to later on, which essentially tells you that you have to treat Hebrew slaves differently to non-Hebrew slaves. And we will elaborate on that later. But if we talk about ancient law codes, there are quite numerous ancient law codes um, that are, uh, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The word I was looking for was independent. So you have the Code of uh, Irikagna from uh, ancient Lagash which is in uh, Mesopotamia. That is the earliest law code that we can find references to um, in, in ancient history. And you have the code of um, Onamu from Suma, which is dated to around 2100 uh, BCE. And we also have the law code of Hammurabi, which is actually quite well known from Babylon, which preceded the Mosaic, uh, preceded Mosaic law by about a thousand years. Now, the Code of Hammurabi is actually notoriously severe, it, but it did introduce two of the most important tenets of modern justice, which is the presumption of innocence 
and the opportunity for the plaintiff and defendant to present evidence. Interestingly, we also have the code of the Neslim from the Hittites in what is now modern day Turkey, which actually regulated several aspects of the rapidly expanding empire. Now, one of the most significant topics concerned again the treatment of slaves. When you compare how other societies treated slaves, the code of the Neslim was actually surprisingly fair. It allowed slaves to marry whoever they wanted, it allowed slaves to buy property, it allowed them to open businesses and to purchase their freedom. But most significantly, under the code of the Neslin, slaves were not actually treated as human chattel or property that could be used and abused by their masters however they saw fit. They um, had a limited number of rights that guaranteed them a level of dignity and protection. Now, when we talk about slavery, I'm actually really, really interested simply because when you read the Hebrew Bible, you can tell that no, these essentially were injunctions concocted by humans. And um, you only have to read, I believe it is Leviticus 25 verses 39 to 46. I'm going to find it and I'm going to read it out exactly what it says. Now, the passage in question is actually Leviticus 25 um, verses 39 to 46. So I was actually correct. And it reads like this. And if one of your brethren who dwells by you becomes poor and sells himself to you, you shall not compel him to serve as a slave. As a hired servant and a sojourner, he shall be with you and shall serve you until the year of Jubilee. And then he shall depart from you, him and his children with him, and shall return to his own family. He shall return to the possession of his fathers, for they are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. They shall not be sold as slaves. You shall not rule over him with rigor, but you shall fear your God. And as for your male and female slaves, whom you may have, from the nations that are around you, from them you may buy male and female slaves. Moreover, you may buy the children of the strangers who dwell amongst you, and their families who are with you, which they beget in your land. And they shall become your property, and you may take them as an inheritance for your children after you to inherit them as a possession. They shall be your permanent slaves, but regarding your brethren, the children of Israel, you shall not rule over one another with rigor. Now, I know you're probably wondering why I'm so obsessed with this passage from the Bible. And there's a reason why, because in my opinion, um, these are not divine mandates. These are things that were concocted by human beings just like you and I. And why do I say this? The tribesmen who concocted uh, these passages in the Bible, they knew slavery was wrong. And the proof is in actually what they wrote. Now, if you read the passage that I've just mentioned, you have to ask yourself, why did they make a distinction between how you treat Hebrews and non-Hebrews? Ask yourself what kind of God will suggest you buy foreigners and their children and pass them on to your children as inheritance. Uh, 
it's there for everyone to see that the the Abrahamic God allegedly thinks it's okay to buy and sell foreigners, keep them forever, but you must treat Hebrews more kindly. This is actually more uh, revealing than we realize, and it tells us all we need to know about these ideologies. And the point is that these these are man-made. These 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 ideas are innate in humans. The writers of the Bible, they knew slavery was wrong, but they were okay with it as long as it was not their fellow Hebrews who were being enslaved. Now, if you are to, to accept that religion is where we uh, uh, glean morality from, then clearly there's something inherently wrong with, with, with these ideologies and with these books. Now, the, the interesting thing is that if you look through ancient history, you can see different cultures coming up with their own ideas of what is right or, or, and, what is, and what is wrong. Um, it is clear to me that the idea of doing good and, and, and doing bad is something that we all... Children know this. Uh, you can see children display uh, uh, empathy and, and fairness and nobody actually needs to teach them this. Now, one of the oldest recorded systems of, of morality was the ancient Egyptian concept of ma'at, which uh, evoked concepts of straightness, evenness, correctness, or rightness, truth, justice, and order. Ma'at was central to the development of ancient Egypt's, uh, their, their religion and their ethics. They didn't believe in the Abrahamic God. Obviously, they believed in a completely different set of gods, uh, a pantheon of gods, but this 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 philosophy of Ma'at extended to virtually every aspect of ancient Egyptian life and death. And um, according to the Egyptian Book of the Dead, uh, a freshly departed soul would have to recite 42 negative confessions as part of their trial in the underworld. Now, some of the examples are, I have not slain man or woman, uh, I have not uttered evil words, uh, if, and if the soul essentially had not fulfilled all 42 negative confessions, then the idea is that their heart will be eaten by Amit, the devourer. The 42 confessions were memorized by every Egyptian citizen and therefore can be seen as um, a kind of institutionalized system of, of ma'ats and, and behavior. Uh, and as, as such, I suppose you can look at it as one of the first recorded laws in Egyptian history. Now, we can leave ancient Egypt uh, alone and we can travel to, say, where I come from in, in, in Nigeria. Um, I come from a people called the Yoruba. Now, where I come from, we have a saying, which actually means your good behavior is like the clothes that you wear. And... I've read a lot of uh, uh, African ethical philosophies, and what I find really interesting is that, that humanism is actually at the very core of um, African philosophy. There's a very, very interesting article by Stanford University about African ethics that essentially displays what we now know, that the collective good is what drives 
morality in these uh, ancient African ideologies. It had absolutely nothing to do with which God you believed in. Um, in fact, it didn't even mention that you had to believe in any God. Um, it was your character, your behavior, uh, uh, how you interact with your fellow human beings. Now, why are all these different uh, uh, schools of thought so interesting is that if you travel all over the world you can see that different cultures instinctively have this urge to, to formulate uh, what will work in a community and what will benefit the community as a whole. It is my opinion that empathy and compassion drive morality uh, it has nothing to do with whether you believe in any gods or not and it, as a matter of fact you only have to look at these religions to see how ethically they actually leave a lot to be desired. Uh, to, uh, 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 let's look at the, Abraham, the Abrahamic religion uh, as just as, as an example. Now, an ideology that is telling you that um, God put two people in a garden and these two people had no idea of what is right and what is wrong and... A talking snake came along, um, which managed to, to learn how to speak. Obviously, it must have taught itself to speak. Adam and Eve must have uh, uh, taught themselves how to speak and invented the first language to boot. And I, I, I suppose the talking snake must have happened to have just been in the same classroom, right? Now, let's even say all that is true. So the talking snake says, eat the fruit, don't listen to what the bearded old dude in the sky said. Just eat the damn fruit and, and everything is going to be okay. So they don't know. They could not possibly understand what the ramifications of what they're about to do is likely to be. So they eat the fruit and Yahweh allegedly returns and he's very, very upset. And so what does he do? He punishes Adam and Eve, allegedly, and part of this punishment is supposed to be uh, 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 labor pains uh, uh, for Eve and all women, not just Eve, all women. And for Adam, he should have to toil and sweat and labor to feed himself. And this applies to all other men. Now, let's actually look at this for a second. Two naive people listened to a talking snake, which is not actually uh, 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 responsible because according to the, the mythology, it was actually Satan. So it wasn't even a snake. Snakes are not actually responsible. But we're, we're asked to believe that snakes got delimbed simply because Satan chose to use a snake as a proxy, right? Now... What we're supposed to believe is God then got really upset and we've heard in some Christian ideology that this is why there is death and disease. Now think about this for a, for, for a little bit. Two people ate a fruit because they were told by a talking animal, which actually wasn't really a fault because it was Satan. And the ideology from which we are supposed to believe morality came from then chose to blight humanity with death and disease, forever. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I, I just, it's probably one of the most insane things I've ever heard. 
And it, it just gets worse and worse. And the thing is, I'm lucky enough that I work with infectious diseases. So I know how, I don't want to call them malevolent because malevolence is, it would, would suggest that they actually set out to be what they are. They're just doing, you know, what they've evolved to do. Um, bacteria and viruses are just looking to infect new hosts. I can think about parasites, for example, and I can think of what the malaria parasite has to do in order to infect, infect a human host. It has no choice in the matter. Um, this is how it undergoes its life cycle. But we are supposed to believe that um, the ideology from which we get morality from, this is no, this is the, the reason this is happening and why 400,000 children uh, under the age of five in Africa are dying every year is because two people ate a fruit. No sane person can, can, can believe such a thing. Now, I, I'm going to use another example of the Inca, for example. Um, and this is before they knew about Yahweh or the Spanish turned up. The Inca have a saying, Amasua, Amalula, Amaquila, which translates as do not steal, do not lie, and do not be lazy. Now, what is palpably obvious is that Numerous people and cultures made concerted efforts to live by a strong moral code irrespective of their beliefs in gods or whatever god they worshipped. So clearly morality could not have come from one god in the Middle East. All these different um, cultures, they instinctively knew this is why you have numerous uh, uh, attempts of furnishing moral codes by different people. Now, if we were to look at, say archaic humans who we there's no evidence that they believe in any gods but we have very good evidence that archaic humans like homo erectus care for their old and infirmed we have very good evidence uh, that neanderthals cared for their sick and buried their dead uh, some people think ritually like humans so it could very well be that they may well have some kind of religion but what does it all mean i think it's clear that a sense of morals is innate in not just humans but archaic humans and as a matter of fact we have discovered pro-social behavior in rodents so the collective good um, uh, what is good for the collective is something that is recognized by not just human beings but other animals as well and so um, we we often see so many examples that suggest to us that human human beings know instinctively what is good and, and, and what is not. So just to continue, um, I think the case can actually be made that the kind of morality proposed by religion demeans and dehumanizes us. The idea that we derive morality from a god or gods that would advocate slavery, misogyny, infanticide, genocide and all the innumerable innumerable horrors that we find in religious literature i actually find it i find it quite insulting uh let me give you another example uh in in the in the christian bible uh david um commits adultery with bathsheba and the hebrew god is is very upset by this and so what does he do he doesn't punish david he kills the baby slowly. Now, 
I am pretty certain that any human being who did such a thing would be considered not just a monster, but most likely insane. But we read these kind of things in religion and because we've been indoctrinated with these beliefs from the get-go, we find it very, very difficult to, to, to question it. And there are numerous examples of, of some hideous claims in, in, in the Christian Bible that people gloss over, that people try to find excuses for. But I can guarantee you that if any human being was to behave as such, um, they would be considered to be slightly unhinged. Now, why am I having a rant about religion? The point I'm trying to make is that morality didn't come from the Hebrew Bible because humans were moral before the Hebrew Bible was ever in existence. I mean, this is actually quite clear. Um, Christopher, Hitchens, uh, uh, Christopher Hitchens made a very, very interesting point um, when he said that if the ancient Israelites did not know right or wrong before they decided to go to the foot of, the, of Mount Sinai, they would have probably never made it there. But we know this is not true because history has already proven to us that there are law codes that predate Mosaic law uh, and what's so special about Mosaic law? The first four laws are just is just God talking about himself anyway. Uh, what exactly are you supposed to learn about that? God never saw fit to to uh, uh, say anything against slavery. For me, that is actually uh, more pertinent than than anything. And so th the thinking is is that the way we we judge what is good and what is bad is essentially driven by empathy and compassion. Now, a, a, another thing that religion does very well is they say, okay, you know, our, our, our ideology is, is, is perfect and, with, and, and it's the truth and you're not allowed to question the truth. However, if you question the truth, we are going to roast you. Um, if you don't believe this claim, we are also going to roast you. Now, who in their right mind is going to say, believe two plus two is four or I'm going to hurt you? Why would you coerce somebody to accept something that's true when you can just convince them with irrefutable evidence? I think if somebody says to you, believe something or I'm going to hurt you, you should become very, very suspicious. Now, there's an interesting passage um, that I that I always refer to in the Quran. And granted, the Quran and the Bible are essentially are birds of a feather, if you like. And it's Surah 456, which this is essentially what it says. As for those who disbelieve in our communications, we shall make them enter fire. So often as their skins are thoroughly burned, we will change them for other skins that they may taste the chastisement. Surely Allah is mighty and wise. Uh, I remember the first time I read this and I thought, okay, the Christian God just wants to roast you forever. He, he doesn't say, oh, I have a skin recycling plant somewhere and every time your skin is consumed, I'm just going to give you another one. Uh, that bit comes from, from, from the Quran. And I'm thinking, so if I'm honestly not convinced by a claim, this moral ideology is telling me my reward is eternal torture in their hall of flames, I like to call it. Uh, really? You can't just bring better evidence 
You simply just say, believe this dumbass story or I'm going to hurt you. How on earth does that even begin to make sense? Um, the, these, these, are not mor- these are not moral claims. There are a lot of things in the book that are not moral claims. But I don't actually have a problem with that because religion is just our, one of our earliest attempts at furnishing moral codes and it be, and it, because it was one of our earliest attempts it was also one of our worst morality is an innate is is, is an innate uh, uh, drive in humans it's not derived from any gods that we worship and i actually think this is a good thing um like i said religion was our earliest attempt to shape and construct a moral code and it shows our innate morality inspired us to concoct a myriad of ideologies that serve as a moral framework. But it is clear to me that the morality gleaned from religion is precisely what you would expect from a species of primate that's barely out of its proverbial diapers. Um, our species has now, for the most part, struggled to evolve a moral framework that is much more inclusive, more humane, more tolerant and independent of any religion and I actually think that really does speak for itself and that is a good thing. I mean look at the the, the changes we have made to the way we treat each other in the last 2,000 years. It's still pretty horrendous um, but we've moved away from religious teaching. We now have secular laws which are much much better than anything you can read in any religious uh, uh, literature. And the reason why the religious literature is found lacking is because these things came in the infancy of our species. They were concocted by primitive humans uh, based on what was prevalent at the time. And you cannot blame them for that. However, the problem begins when some people make claims that these are divine mandates by an all-knowing, perfect, benevolent God. Uh, very little in these religions can actually be called benevolent. I, I, I actually think the opposite is the, is, is the truth. Now, it's a matter of time. We are going to continue to improve and we are going to continue to evolve a moral framework. And that can only be a good thing. In, in continuation, there is a very, very interesting um, tribe in the Amazon uh, called the Piraha who do not actually believe in God, if you like. They, they don't have any gods. In fact, they don't even have any religion. They live in the here and now. And they are often described as the happiest people in the world. Everything I've read about them I find very, very fascinating and um, they, they, they practice uh, what we can call the, the desire to do what is good for the collective. Um, they didn't re- need to read it in a book. They didn't need to believe in the Hebrew God. Um, they just knew that what benefits one benefits all. And that actually makes pretty good sense to me. There's actually uh, a a lot of uh, um, abundant scientific literature that actually points to the evolutionary and biological basis of the human capacity for ethical thought and the motivation to actually act upon that. Um, the, the, some of this literature covers uh, what we now understand about brain development genes expressed in the prefrontal cortex, 
and the part of the brain that is has now been established to be implicated in how we make ethical decisions. Um, so, so the point I'm really trying to make is that the religions that we think we got our morality from is actually not the case. We constructed religion because we have this innate desire for a moral framework and we just used our religious beliefs to underpin it. It's the reason why it's different wherever you go. Uh, it's completely independent to all other uh, belief systems. The idea that my African uh, uh, forebears did not know right from wrong until they became Christian, really? Because we know that's certainly not true. Um, we know that many, many uh, cultures uh, uh, had an idea of what is right or wrong before they ever became Christian. And there's nothing actually particularly special about morality in Christianity anyway. I think some of the claims are actually horrendous. You only have to read the literature to to see um, what is wrong with this claim. Uh, this is just the first part. This is actually something that I, I would want to discuss at length. So I think in my second episode, I'm going to invite a couple of guests to discuss this at length. Um, I, I hope this has given you food for thought. And um, in our next episode, we're probably going to talk about something slightly different to this. And I'm going to come back to this topic later on when I have some guests who we, we don't necessarily have to agree with each other. But it'll be interesting to discuss it and see what each individual thinks. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this. And um, I will be back again in a couple of days with another episode uh, of Curiosity Feeds the Cat. Thank you very much and goodbye. Thank you.